wanna give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're gonna need help if you wanna make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi everyone, welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Andrew Paul. And I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who have created endowment funds at ECF. These funds are carefully stewarded to generate money that supports charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well endowed. On this episode, we take a look at Northern Light Theatre's upcoming production of Two-Headed, Half-Hearted. Written by artistic director Trevor Schmidt, Two-Headed, Half-Hearted tells the story of conjoined twins, Juno and Venus Hollis, played by Rebecca Sadowski and Kaylee Jade Weeb. Kaylee also composed music for the play, which is structured as a song cycle that is deeply rooted in country gospel and American Gothic motifs. Conjoined twins have a long history of being exploited in pop culture dating back to the early 19th century with Chang and Aang Bunker, who became famous in what was then referred to as freak shows. Daisy and Violet Hilton also found a fame in the 20th century vaudeville circuit with Bob Hope and Charlie Chaplin. They eventually debuted on the silver screen in the 1932 Todd Browning's film Freaks. Needless to say, the portrayal of conjoined twins over the centuries has been problematic. Our correspondent Paul Bilinov sat down with Trevor Schmidt and Kaylee Jade Weeb to learn more about how conjoined twins have been portrayed in pop culture how their play explores issues of identity, the mythologies that families create for themselves, and the challenges of two people learning to play a single guitar together. Um, was this story something that sort of emerged between you two, or was the idea for, for the narrative of the play already uh, in existence? I'm a Gemini, so I, I've constantly been fascinated by twins, and I had a visual image of conjoined twins, and I thought maybe it's just a weird little musical where the audience watches them in a tent or on a little stage and they tell a story. And I, I was very interested in the mythology that each family creates for themselves, an oral history that they pass down and how that isn't always truthful. And so that was what interested me. And I think I just kind of pitched it to you, these two girls, they, it's a song cycle. There's not really a lot of plot. Nothing happens. I'm using my air quotation marks for anyone listening. <laughs> Nothing happens. They tell their story and there's little dips into history of other famous conjoined twins in the common um, vocabulary and lexicon and pop culture. But mostly it's just these strange songs in this strange prairie gothic kind of environment and I, I don't know I don't remember how I pitched it to you pretty what, much just like that like yeah, that just like that yeah. it's like don't know what it is hope you get it <laughs> want to get on yeah like, like what interested you the most well the fact that they were sisters like I have a younger sister so um that's something that I haven't really explored too much in in theater is like the the power of sisterhood like I've done a, a few shows I guess where I've been where I've been a sibling and that's been a really big theme family but so that was really interesting to me yeah and I guess also just like the idea of like the prairies is really intriguing to me um I've worked at the Ukrainian village out out east for yeah, like yeah. six years sure, yeah, yeah. so um so that's something that's really close to me too it's just like growing up on the prairies and like farmsteading and like what does that mean so yeah those are all things that I was like this is cool and also like 
conjoined twins is also very interesting and doesn't they, they don't really appear a lot in theater I guess you've got like sideshow and that's kind uh, of yeah all I can really think of for for adaptations so that was really cool I feel like most times when they do appear in like pop culture, it's sort of as they were sort of seen and sort of the carnival tense, but like rarely from their own perspective and yeah. their own relationship with each other. Exactly. Sort of from the outside. Yeah, and I think for me, the themes of the show that resonate right now are like self-identity. Like it's such a big deal in society right now. Everyone is identifying as 400 different identifiers. And it's like, how do you identify yourself when, when you've never been alone? when you are consistently connected to someone else, is there an I and a, and a you, or are we just us? How, how separate can we be? How different can we be? And how far can we go in our differences if we are physically tied to each other? They have different, the two characters in the show have different dreams about what they want to do or how far they want to travel or take risks and you gotta compromise because the other one isn't gonna go with you. What was the like uh, making the songs like and that sort of back and forth between the two? Well there hasn't been a whole lot of back and forth. That's the interesting yeah. thing. It's like I went, so how involved do you want me to be with this? Because with Darren I've often I've often actually like workshop songs with him and I'll sing and he'll he'll harmonize or whatever, you know, we'll do all that kind of stuff. And I said, so how involved do you want me to be? And Kathy was like, I think I want to just try and do stuff on my own first and send it back to you. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> um, but I, I like, I think I've said enough, numerous times to you, like, I trust you. I absolutely have confidence in you. I believe in you. Um, if you need my help, call me and let me know. But I've got other things to do too. And and even when I started like thinking, I haven't heard any music. I'm getting kind of nervous. I was always like, I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, here's my Dropbox folder with most of the songs. Here you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is great. And, and it's uh, the music is fantastic. The music's fantastic. We we did talk a bit at first about like sort of the tone of things, and I said I'm really kind of. I'm really kind of interested in these like Appalachian murder ballads, which were like really popular earlier in the century. And as late as like Olivia Newton John did a like a, a murder ballad like in the 70s. But I said, I'm kind of interested in these. They're so bizarre and so weird. And, uh, you know, like, I loved you, but you didn't love me back. So I took you down to the river and drowned you. <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's like that. Like, it's, I loved you so much, I had to drown you. It was very Will Smith. Like, I gave her that and, and said, here's a couple of songs that I like that give me good feelings about, and you did your own research, and, and I don't know how you got that much done so fast. I've been working very passively on it for, like, months, months and months. Like, there's been, it's been, like, kind of this presence in the back of my mind, and, like, I definitely had, like, ideas worked out over the last few months, but it wasn't until the last week that I just sort of sat down and was like, okay, let's try and sift through all of these ideas that I have and this, all of this stuff and just like get it out on paper and get it out into the universe. And so I did and now it's, it's done and I have to just kind of go back now and now it's going to be a lot about who's going to be singing what and whose voice should we use here and which harmony should be for who and all of that. Yeah. And like, uh, where do you start when you're writing a song? Do you start with the music itself? Do you start sort of with a lyrical idea? It definitely depends. I think it depends on the song. There were a few songs where it was like just me sort of plunking some stuff out on the piano and I was like, okay, I think I have something here. Let's try and take the lyrics that Trevor's written and mold them into a shape that's going to fit and fit the song and the rhythmic structure and everything. And then other things, it was like, okay, like 
these lyrics really stick out to me. I think this could be the, the refrain or the chorus. Yeah, approaching it more from that way. So it really depended. And then some of the songs, I'd sort of started something, and I was like, that's not right. And then I did a little bit more research and came back with something else. And yeah, it was kind of like putting a big puzzle together, because everything, everything should also sound different. And yeah. each song should be its own entity as well as fitting into the whole. So yeah, it was, it was very different from my usual process, I guess. When you say research, what do you, what do you mean in this topic? Well, just like thinking about the, the things that Trevor Trevor had given me as, as inspiration and just sort of, yeah, like listening to a bunch of different different music and taking different experiences that I'd had and just sort of, yeah, bringing everything into the into the process. Um, actually, like it was kind of a, a gift. I, I did All Because I'm a Woman with the Citadel in the beginning of March, and that was just like a look into a whole bunch of female sung country music. And that actually brought a lot of, of new life into what I was writing after after finishing that. I was like, okay, I feel like I've got like a whole another batch of ideas to draw upon. We're not setting it in a contemporary time period. Right. So I think we both listened to things from earlier eras and gone, oh, that's a that's a trend in country music in that period of time. That was a that was a sound. Mm -hmm. That was a thing. Definitely. Uh, it was interesting when I did listen to the music because I was like, oh, it's way more country than I thought it would be. And I like it, which is hilarious because I cannot stand country music generally. Like, contemporary country music makes my ears bleed. <laughs> but, but like, I was going, oh, I like this. There's something about country gospel, I think, that is, is really universal. Because, like, I feel the same. Like, modern country music doesn't really, like, it's, it's fine, but it's not really what I personally listen to. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't know. Like, all that, that really, really old stuff and all of those, like, the Western songs, like you know, like Red River Valley, like those that era yeah. of music, I feel like really speaks to people still. So that was something that I really wanted to carry forward into this, while still adding some songs that maybe had more of like a modern folk influence. And it's a lot of storytelling. Like a lot of the songs are telling a story. So there's a whole section where they sing about Chang and Eng Bunker, the the famous first famous I'm using my air quotation marks again, Siamese twins, mm -hmm. who were from Siam. And that, that's a whole story by itself. And then there's another story about Daisy and Violet Hilton, who were movie stars, air quotation mark, movie stars, and they were in Freaks, the movie, and things like that. So there's lots of storytelling. And I think that those old country songs were always sort of stories. Definitely. And like even myself as a songwriter, I'm way more lyrically driven. Like that's something that I tend to gravitate towards more than necessarily just starting with like music or melody. Like it's definitely the, the lyrics and the story of the song that I'm that I'm driven by, I guess. So you're so smart. I'm so lucky to get to work with you. I just like, I, I just we did a we did a couple days of workshop and um you're you're so I'm gonna just gush over you for a oh while. Oh my god. Because um the the two women working on this project are, are super temperamentally different. Like, Becky's very much like me. She's just kind of like, blah, blah, blah. She can talk, and, and it, it's all emotionally driven, and blah, blah, blah. And I found that Kaylee's so lovely and silent, and then when she does say something, it seems so insightful and <laughs> articulate. And because, so you, because you talk, because you are so reserved before you talk, it, it makes everyone lean forward and go, oh, this is going to be important. And, it, and it's always really, really smart. Like, I'm always going, that's right, she's like 12, and she knows <laughs> all these things. <laughs> it's a good lesson for me. <laughs> uh, when you were doing research into some of these other famous conjoined twins, did anything sort of stand out, or like things you noticed about the types of stories that exist about them to this day? 
they all got so exploited. I feel really bad for them. They, they were all exploited. And their identities, their public identity was, I think, quite different than their, than their personal identities. And they had great limitations set on them by the world because of their um, state, of, state of union, mm -hmm. I guess. Chang and Eng had very somewhat happy home lives, I guess. They both had wives and they had two separate houses and they would go back and forth every second day or something. They had many, many children, but they didn't like each other. They had huge personality conflict. And Daisy and Violet died alone. Like they they got left behind at a at a public function by their agent at one point and had to stay in that small town and they became clerks in a grocery store and then like died in bed together and and I feel bad for them. Chang and Eng had like there was interesting racial things about them. They were treated sort of like freaks and less than white people because they were Asian. And then they became rich and they bought a plantation and had black slaves. And suddenly they were equal to white men or at least higher than their black slaves. And that's all very racially fraught in this day and age. Like you just go, uh, complex lives. And I'm a Gemini, so like I, I always want someone else around but I, it must be absolutely terrible to never have alone time. Right. Um, and how do you find approaching Sophos with sort of two perspectives, almost, like the sense of you like these two characters who are so similar, but also um, are their own people? Yeah, I think that's been something that's been my greatest challenge, sort of like this week moving forward into the rehearsal process, is um, yeah, just figuring out who says what, because I think there's, in a lot of ways, like. I kind of wrote from one voice, and it's going to be more about like, okay, like how are they different now? Um, now that I have all of this out on paper, like, what are the ways in which they're different in like necessarily maybe how they're singing or like what their what their thoughts and feelings are in this situation? So I feel like like a lot of the songs that they that they sing together are they are very much together, and they're of the same brain and of the same mindset. So it's going to be really fun for me, I think, to figure out how. How they're, how they're different now and in the songs where they're maybe not necessarily agreeing on something or if they have different perspectives, like how can we bring that into the music now, I think? And there are solo numbers mm -hmm. where like one of them, I'm using my air quotation marks, I'm using them a lot, where one of them like steps into the spotlight sure, yeah. and it's just them uh, that sings and the other one isn't involved in that song. It's like the, the internal monologue right. in song and that would be interesting to stage, I think, as well, because they literally don't move for the whole show. I, I, I think early on, maybe even at the first meeting, I said, I think I want them to play the guitar. So one has to strum and the other has to do the fingering. Right. So that'll be, that will also be fun in rehearsal to figure that out. Yeah. I, I can't play the guitar with both my hands, so I can't imagine <laughs> doing it with one. That'll also be a fun challenge, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what sort of conversations have you had with, uh, with Becky sort of going into this and, and the idea of playing things together in this way? Yeah, I think I've been really a lot more in the, in the, the writing mindset than the performance perspective. Mm -hmm. So I've talked to her a little bit on like, okay, like how comfortable are you with singing and your harmonies and everything like that. And just, to, just to, obviously I don't want to give her something that would be really, really difficult. For her to do so, but she's she's so talented. So I'm not I'm not worried at all. 
they, there was kind of a mutual admiration going on between the two of them when I said, I think this is who I'm going to cast, and I think this is who is all, this is who is already cast, and, and, and both of them were like, oh, I know her, oh, I like her stuff, I don't really know her very well, but oh, she's great. So there, the, when they got together, it was nice. I was like, oh, good, I've got a good vibe going on. And did you know each other very well before this, or was it more like this project is bringing you together? Yeah, I think definitely the the latter. I've I've met her a little bit in passing just through through Next Fest. Um, my BFA class and I sort of put together a, a dance show for for Next Fest last year, and she was curating the the dance fest. So we we chatted a little bit with her um, just on that and about the production side of it. But I really hadn't spent much time with her at all. I just sort of like heard of her and seen seen her work kind of around the city, but I hadn't really talked to her too much prior to this. I did a, a co-production with um, Good Women a few years ago called The Cardiac Shadow, and there were the four good women, and they said, we'd like to bring on an understudy, this woman that's been working with us, and it was Becky, and she ended up understudying two parts and going on very often for, for both of them, and she was just a joy to have in the room. She's just fun. Like, she's fun. She, there's no censor on her, and she is chatty and talkative, and very open uh, and very like yeah 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 let's do it let's do that let's try that yeah and that's a good energy to have I think it's a nice it's a nice contrast to your thoughtful <laughs> <laughs> no you don't you need to be you you need to be you it's it's beautiful yeah but it's it's it so I think it and it was interesting because up until literally I think the day that we started work the workshop, I was like, I don't know which of you is going to play which part. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, oh, no, this is obviously how it needs to go. So, um, with a show like this, where it's like quite minimal in its um, staging, uh, you were saying it's like singing songs on stage. Um, how do you approach the design for something like that when it is quite uh, well? It's interesting. Um, the costume designer wanted to know very early on. What is the set? Where are we? Are we in a Chautauqua tent? Are we in a freak show? Are we on the porch of the house? Like, where are we? And I was like, I don't know that yet. But it was really important to her that we knew where that was so that she could then uh, develop the look of the costumes. And what period are we in? And I was like, I don't know, somewhere between the 20s and the 40s. Um, and and she, so she was like, she wanted a lot of that information and I hadn't quite it hadn't gestated long enough for me to figure that out. But now we know, like I've said to the lighting designer, these girls don't move for the whole show, so the magic and the movement has to happen in the lights. That's where we're gonna have to see things change. So what we've come up with now, I'm describing it to a lot of, I've got pictures. Um, What we're doing now, it's it's very much like a pop-up book, sort of, that's what it kind of will look like, hopefully. They talk about this mythology of their family, and they've been told that their mother is a mermaid. That's why she stays in bed all the time. And, and there's this, this field of corn that they don't know what's beyond it, and they can see the mountains far away. And, and, um, and I wanted it all to feel a bit like they're, they've been told they're in a fairy tale, and that the world ends at the end of the cornfield. There's a mythical fairy tale kind of vibe to the whole thing. 
and very prairie, very and, and western. So yeah, the design it's been it's it's been developing along the whole trip and sh and shifting and changing. So I, I hope it I hope it'll work. I'm getting excited about it, and that's a good thing for me to recognize in myself to go oh. I'm, I'm excited about where it's all coming together now. Um, I think that's all the questions I have. Is there anything you want to add? Anything you touch on? Um, there's things that are taking on deeper resonance for me um, as we're getting closer. Uh, it was interesting, the costume designer, Dina Finman, who's fantastic, came in to, to um, do some measurements on the performers, and her she wanted to read the script early before it was even finished, which is very unusual. Some costume designers skim through a script and then just put the costumes together. But she was very detailed in like, this line on page 48, when she says this, it makes me think that I could reflect that in the buttons that are put on the costume. Like she's that kind of detail and that kind of character commitment. Um, but her, her view of the play, she said this is so much about um, women being subjugated to the patriarchy and trapped in, in marriages that are make them unhappy and, and that sort of stuff. She saw it from an angle that, that came from her personal experience, I think. And I'm looking at things that have been written. Um, uh, my mother passed away last week and, and having listened to the music a few, last night and, and this, a little bit this morning, uh, there's things that are resonating with me about loss and about separation and about um, uh, independence and pushing away from someone or letting someone go. Um, and so I think there's lots in the play that will resonate with people on, on different levels. Um, and yet, it's not, it wasn't, um, I don't like to write with a message because then I just feel like I'm hitting people in the head with, with uh, something. But I think there's lots to be mined out of this. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think there's lots of different themes. Um, yeah, even, even myself writing and combing through and massaging words into, into things like there's definitely some very pointed, pointed messages towards different things throughout it. I think. And we've sort of approached, I know that I've talked to the lighting designer about this, and we talked about this as well. Um, each, I said, I, I, I think of it as a song cycle. So it's kind of like you're at, kind of like you're at a concert, and every, every song should have a different visual look, and every song has a different tone, a different feeling, so that it's constantly moving and changing. And they're connected by little bits of connective tissue that are, that are the text, that move the story along, but they're also standalone numbers that that should be beautiful. A big thanks to Paul Blunov for bringing us this story, and thanks to Trevor Schmidt and Kaylee Jade Weeb for letting us look at the process behind creating their play, Two-Headed, Half-Hearted. Edmonton Community Foundation is a proud sponsor of Two-Headed, Half-Hearted, and you can catch the play April 22nd through May 7th at Studio Theatre Inside Fringe Theatre Adventures. We have links to ticket information in our show notes. That's also where you can find the links to ECF's upcoming granting deadlines and the latest from our blog, including a Q&A with Trevor and Kaylee. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. 
Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. Yes, thank you. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave us a five-star review and share the show with your friends. You can also connect with us on Facebook, where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures from the show. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Andrew Paul. And Elizabeth Bonkink. Until Until next next time. time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at wellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at The ECF. Our theme music was created by Octavo Productions. Check them out at octavoproductions.com. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.